It's another week on the Movie Crew Podcast, and tonight we're going to talk about Lawrence Kasdan's dramedy, The Big Chill. You no trouble. Me, fifth element. You will be a weapon. You will be a minister of death, praying for war. But until that day, you are cute. Sound off like you got a pair. We're your hosts. I'm editor Brian Elkins. With me here tonight, cinematographer Jared Callen. Good to see you, Brian. It is nice to be seen here, Jared. We also have... <laughs> I thought you were going to say something else. Like you always do. <laughs> that was it. That was it. And he just looked away from the mic. He's like, nope. No, I'm done. done. Nope. <laughs> you doing all right? <laughs> we, we have director of photography, Mike Griggs. Oh, hello, Brian. How are you tonight? Cheers. Uh, what? Cheers? Oh, we're going to start doing British accents next. And we have costume designer, Kristen Jones. Hello, hello. Hey, hey, hey. Here we are, talking the big chill. Another Lawrence Kasdan flick. Good old Larry Kasdan. Welcome to the Lawrence Kasdan podcast. <laughs> all Kasdan, all the time. Well, you know, also Kevin Klein. Mm, I mean, he's he's cool too, I guess. So is this the first time you guys see this before? Yes. Yes. Yep, yep, yep. Oh, all right. Okay, all right. So we're all in the age range. We're we're, we're all we're all in our thirties. Yeah. What what did, what did you guys think? I thought it was a sublime experience. I kind of wish I watched it like six or eight years ago when it was like more directly. Like they're all like thirty, thirty two, thirty four ish. So I'm, no, they're, I'm... they're thirty six. Really? Yeah. I looked yeah. up everybody's age. I had it too, and for some reason my math said thirty two, uh, but maybe I was just looking at like one person. Lawrence Kasdan thirty four, Tom Berenger thirty four, Glenn Close thirty six. Oh, you're Baldwin, talking about the actual 31. actors, not the characters. Well, I well, think yes, and probably yes, in this but... in this range. William Hurt thirty three, Kevin Klein thirty six, Mary Kay Place thirty six, Meg Tilly twenty three, Joe Beth Williams yeah. thirty five, Don Galloway forty six. Oh, there you go. Okay, okay. No, it it hit it hit in all the right ways, and I was uh, I really really enjoyed it. It was a sublime experience, yeah. Yeah, when I, when I first saw it, uh, 
I think I was 17 and I was bored to fucking tears. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not for yeah. everybody. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> well, no, I, th- I do think it's one of those movies you need to grow into a little. You know, I, I don't know, revisiting it. Uh, when did I see this again? Like uh, 32, 31, somewhere around there, 2014, 2015, mm-hmm. revisited it when it came out in the Criterion when they released it. Um, and, man, I had to say, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I was just like, man, what would, what was I watching the first time? I was an idiot kid. Which is but true. I think you have to have a little bit of life experience to enjoy this movie. And I don't know that you have that at 17. No. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> when everybody, and also, everybody feels so old in it. And, I, and they're like our age. And I'm looking at it going, and they're all talking about kind of how they're getting old. And the one woman's like, you know, she needs to have a kid or she's not going to have one and, and all this. I'm like, damn, are we that old? Like, no, people but, start but, telling uh, ladies that when they're like 26, <laughs> just FYI. That's, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> 26. <laughs> no, I'm yeah. not. I'm not joking. You get a ride on the vine. <laughs> <laughs> Your life's almost over. Yeah. And then, and then when you start to turn 30, everyone's like, oh, so you're just not going to have kids. And you're like, wait, am I dead? <laughs> Man, that's that that's rough and depressing. That's why, that's why, no, like, that's why if you know any women, shout out to all the women who are in their early 30s and have baby fever. Like, it's a very much a societal thing. And like, they're all, that's why they're all of a sudden like, wait a minute, what am I doing? Should I have a family now? (laughs) It's like, it's, that's what society is doing. It's very intense when you are like 30, 31, 32 ish. Then you get over it because you're like, oh, I'm still alive and I can still do things. And. (laughs) (laughs) i'm still alive and can still do things all right okay there you go (laughs) (laughs) well no because 32 yeah look but so so uh yeah i actually when i was watching this i was kind of wondering how old they were because they seemed like they were mid-30s but then you know how everyone like seems older when they're like you know when you go back in the past generations and so I was like god I hope they're not fucking 20 years old in this <laughs> I was thinking they were 28. in their 40s yeah um, but yeah I don't know most of these actors to me always kind of have this perpetual like 35 to 48 sort of age range to me and and just most of the movies that I've seen them in no I've seen all of these actors um and when they're older and so seeing them all this young was like really nice I actually really enjoyed it Kevin Klein looks the second super movie. Young. Yeah, he does. Everybody he looks, looks really super young. young, and he's one of the older guys. Like, it's weird. Yeah, they all yeah they all look super young though. Like Glenn Close is, looks super young. Uh, Mary yeah, Kay this Place is the youngest is, I've ever seen Glenn Close. Yeah, like, same. for sure. Mary Kay Place is super super young. This is the, easily the youngest thing I've ever seen her, <laughs> or the youngest version of her I've oh, ever yeah, seen. Oh yeah, no doubt. Jebel um, Williams looks just like she did in Poltergeist. Like, dead on. <laughs> <laughs> this is, like, what, the next year? Didn't Poltergeist yeah, come out? Yeah, like, it's like yeah, immediately yeah, yeah, after. Yeah. But I'm talking about she's yeah. just, like, she's, like, perfect. And they, 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 they always hit her with this real soft lens every time they hit her. Uh, uh, especially early in the movie. Man. Gorgeous. <laughs> See, she's one of, I think she's one of my least favorite characters, though, of, of the Friends. I, That's the woman who's she, trying to leave her husband, right? The one married to, like, yeah. the 48-year-old dude? Yeah, okay. The Richard guy. Yeah. They don't want to put their beds together, and <laughs> she's pining why would, why would we do that? Yeah, Tom and when, yeah, when Sam kind of turns her down, she, like, calls him on his shit. She's like, for fucking 15 years? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I that like was that a lot. Moment, that was man. hilarious. That was a great moment. 
I don't know. I, I kind of like that, though, because he, he's, he's being honest with her, you know, like she's more than just like a one night stand or, you know, yeah. it, this is somebody he really cares for. And he, he's being extremely honest with her. He's like, I'm just going to use you and get bored with you. And then you're just going to be another piece of trash in my life that I throw away. It's like, damn. What well, I mean, I appreciate the honesty for sure, but I think she's upset because he's always come on to her and he's always, you know, said that he's more th- that he would treat her as more than that. I, I got that was the impression that I got. And so now that she's like, OK, well, actually, I'm going to take you up on everything you've been saying. And he's like, oh, never mind. No, well, she's wanting to move her kids into his mansion. <laughs> well, I don't know. I what, that... what do you think she's going to do with them? Like, hmm. like, put them on the street. Come on. Like, she has to move them somewhere. Yep. No, I thought that interaction was was in a lot of ways, the heart of this movie of like the realization of, of you've spent so much time kind of fantasizing about these people that you knew or younger in life, earlier in life and wishing that your life would be a certain thing. And then you kind of, you hit your early to mid thirties and you're like realizing, no, this is who I am. This is what my life actually looks like. These are the, the, the patterns that I've established. And when you're presented with the opportunity to actually fulfill some of those fantasies, you're like, I am actually not ready for that. Or I'm a totally different person than I wanted to. I thought I might be. And I thought it was a really, really like honest and vulnerable interaction. I really liked it. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I, I, I like that stuff, too. I, I also yeah, like the you got such a nice ensemble that you also have like some of the characters that like uh, like Glenn Close and um, uh, I'm bl- blanking on uh, his name right now. Um the husband, Harold? yes, Her- whatever. Uh, Kevin Klein. There we go. Yeah, Kevin yeah. Klein. Uh, you know, they're they're that real, guy. They're, yeah, well, <laughs> Glenn Close's character, like she sleeps with this this <laughs> the dead character that we never see in the movie, Alex. Yeah, and like she acted on those impulses, and then that kind of destroyed their friendship. They were never able to get close again after that. It's it, it's it's weird watching like everybody's different problems at different moments in their lives and how they're all dealing with that. Was that before she married Harold, or was that? No, that was definitely oh. while they were. Yeah, it was during. That was an extramarital affair. Yeah, they, they definitely show you the kid in the beginning, and then they're like, "Yeah, it was five years." <laughs> Wait, that's like his kid? No, well that that's Kevin Klein and Glenn Close's child. Right? Yeah, I get that. Yeah, and Glenn Close had an affair with Kevin Costner's Alex character that's never seen on screen. Yeah, and that was five years ago. Well, you see his like you know arms and legs and hair and shit. Oh yeah, yeah. That's true. Yeah, you see him getting dressed in the beginning. I love that, by the way. That's great. It's a super interesting, like, opening montage for sure. Oh, one of the best montages. God damn, so good. I like like how they switch the hands out in it. We're like, when you, like at the first time you see like, oh, the, it's different. Yeah, it's like the guys getting dressed, and then it's like, oh no, it's a chick dressing him. Oh, this is like sexy time. And then like the perspective changes again. You're like, wait a minute. Those are dude hands now. Those and are dude hands again. What, yeah. How is he? Wait, how's he doing this? And then it's like, oh, and you, it ends on the suicide cuts. And that's so brilliant. So, so brilliant. Yeah, it was. It took me aback for a second. I was like, wait, what the fuck is going on? Because I, I went into it pretty cold, like I usually like to do. And and as soon as the, you see the shot of, of the, the girl's perspective buttoning his shirt, I was like, Oh, that's like a fucking body. Like, this has got to be the dead guy in this situation. That's so brilliant. It is. It is really nice. And then, like, intercutting that with everybody finding out the news that he passed. Yeah, yeah. Or that he committed suicide. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, Glenn Close walking in and then just dripping tears. Kevin Klein knows exactly what's going on. Yeah, but that little kid sure does know the lyrics to that song. Jeremiah was a bullfrog. (laughs) (laughs) 
That was the There's a lot of music in this yeah. movie. <laughs> I was mo- this movie's nothing but music, man. Yeah. That was the director of uh, Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle, right there. That kid? Yeah, in the bathtub. Stop. What? That's fun. Isn't it Lawrence Kasdan's kid that... that... I know they're filmmakers, and, and yeah. on, a lot of nepotism yeah. was going on in the world, but... <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> Lars Kasson's wife, did, the yeah. uh, the flight attendant that is yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. asking for um, Get the digits. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought it was an autograph, not a digit. Oh no, no, she was totally hitting on him, bro. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. She was flirting. He's like, yeah. right, I'm gonna need some more vodka, dear. <laughs> okay, so when they do needle drops in a movie like this, where it's it's intercut over, you know, a whole scene. And there's there's different characters interacting. There's different you know mediums and close-ups and wides and all that kind of stuff. Do you think they're actually playing the music on set? They are in this situation. No, they didn't. So they they didn't play yeah. the music on set on this. They had uh, earbuds in their ears that had oh, that okay. was in music okay. just that one scene and one one scene in that one dance scene. Yeah, where they're making dinner or no, they're cleaning up, right? Because I was thinking about that. Like, how how do you get everybody to like move to the same rhythm? While actually like getting clean lines and not having to do a whole ton of ADR, you know, hidden AirPods. Yeah, it, it was weird that there was no score. It was just just needle drops. Was there really? Yeah, I didn't even notice actually. Yeah, I didn't notice either. Hmm. There's not even a composer was, credited yeah. in the film. Well, there's enough music like needle drops that uh, yeah, I didn't notice. I noticed that it was all needle drops because uh, I kept every time I did that, I was like waiting for it to end and like the credits to come up because like that's what i associate like (laughs) oh this is over already (laughs) yeah i was like wait what are we doing 20 minutes (laughs) wait didn't we just do this (laughs) i have seen some complaints at this film uh yeah uh excessive uh music montages yeah i mean i i think it worked out fine i I mean i didn't hate any of it but it's kind of startled me every time i did it what did you say? It's a music video. It's not a music video. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't there a line like sort of talking about like no, no other music is allowed in this house. It's all music from the sixties or whatever. That's from music when they were like in college and, and all hanging out. Yeah. So it's kind of setting them back in that tone from when they used to be kids and, and, and doing their thing. Plus, they're starting to get like really crotchety and they don't want to listen to anything now. <laughs> uh oh, music these days. <laughs> but to be fair, everything they were listening to was Ace. They did have that scene where someone, who was it, Jeff Goldblum, was like, they have made music in the last 10 years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but his, his character's great. struggling to be younger. He's going after the younger girl, and he's he's trying to open a nightclub or whatever, and he's, you know, he's tapped into modern culture. And, I just know, thought he was creepy. You just thought <laughs> well, he was creepy? Well, that's also part yeah. of it. Yeah. He was he was a little bit creepy. In, in an endearing Jeff Goldblum sort of way. Well, yeah, it's Jeff Goldblum, so like I don't hate him, but like I'm just saying, he's a little creepy. <laughs> he was really horny. God, he was just like every, every chick. He was just like, so hey, uh, hi. Uh. <laughs> he kept putting his arms around him and touching him, like constantly on the shoulder and stuff. Like, oh man, this he's is... got nothing in his bag but but condoms and bags. right. <laughs> <laughs> and why did everybody have a hair dryer in their suitcase? Everybody had a Bro, hair dryer. Oh my god! <laughs> in case they want to take themselves out halfway through the trip. <laughs> you guys got a bathtub here? What a horrible thing to say. <laughs> Why would I Too say soon. That? Too soon. That's when you gotta make fucked up jokes. Oh, no shit. They, if you're not joking at a funeral, then what the fuck are you doing? Crying. Hooking up with someone in the back room. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to hook up with a dead person's girlfriend. I'll help you out, He's darling. Like, oh. oh, you need me to talk to sit next to her? 
I got this. <laughs> Jennifer Tilly's sister. sister. Very cute. She, they sound the same a little bit every now and then. Really? Yeah, not, not the little, no, you know, not the high pitch thing, but every now and then the way she said some mm. things upon the second viewing, I, I was seeing some of that once I knew who she was. And, and she kind of looks like her every now and then, too. Oh, yeah, yeah, no. Like her face is like shaped the exact opposite way. But you know what I mean? Oh, the same like, like, she's features. Like, she's like the negative. No, she, she's, the got, she's got more like a round face. Inverse. And uh, Jennifer Tilly's got like a you know more oval face. Well, yeah. But they do look. Yeah. Shut up. Crap! <laughs> <laughs> I gotta put up with here. <laughs> it's a total oval face. Anyway. <laughs> At least it's not spaghetti strips. She didn't have to wear spaghetti straps, man. She was like doing all that like gymnastics or whatever. She's a dancer or something. I don't know. Dude, well, well, dude was like filming her while she's doing that. It was like, whoa, dial it back, buddy. And then they're all sitting around oh, the couch, no. like watching those interviews while she's doing he wasn't like the shooting stretching. What and you stuff. thought he'd be shooting, though? He stayed on her head the whole time, <laughs> and he was looking off at the monitor. He wasn't staring at her. She was down though, anyway. She was totally after him. Apparently, he used to have like a radio show or something oh william hurt's character yeah, yeah and she called him when she was like a teenager or whatever and he basically told yeah. her to do her homework and go to bed <laughs> <laughs> that was a fun little interaction he really helped me when i was in high school <laughs> oh really <laughs> <laughs> i i think i think william hurt though is my favorite in the movie with that fucking earring and he's just does not give a fuck attitude about anything i was thinking of a young jeff bridges at the very beginning of that, the way he was, oh, know, some of his deliveries. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, got against all odds, kind of Jeff Bridges. I could see it. <laughs> Maybe that's too sexy. I don't know. I mean, he was going for it for sure. But then they have shots of him like digging drugs out from under his car. So, dude, that oh, was I awesome. That. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, <laughs> he's just laying in the grass in his coat. I'm like, what? What's he's wrong like, with your car, oh, dude? I'm, <laughs> stay- I'm staying here. Let me go get my shit. You know, <laughs> I just I love the in the the opening montage when he like dumps the pills out on the on the seat, and then the chick is riding with him later, and she's like, "What am I sitting?" <laughs> it's like, "Oh, it's still there." Okay, that's fantastic. Yeah, like, but, those are the little things in this movie. Like, there's so many little things like that in this. But his drugs come in handy later because um, Michael's trying to hit up on Chloe, and uh, he and you know he, he's over there rolling another joint, and he's getting all excited and shit. And he fucking basically drugs him and knocks him out for the night. He gives him a fucking yeah, he does. Quay looter. <laughs> He's like, oh, well, I would normally take a hole. And he's like, huh? Well, I am. <laughs> he gets everybody fucked up at some point. He does. He does. Yeah, I think my favorite was Glenn Close uh, after the cocaine. She's just like prancing, prancing around. Uh, oh, in, in the, bed. the bed. I love how, that where she's like going tired? from one side What's to the on? other. You know, like she's over and she's kicking her feet and she's yeah. kind of she's like she's got the blanket. And she's like doing pleats in it with her hand. You know, <laughs> that motherfucker's just here to get investors for his club. Kevin's like, oh, let's just go to sleep, please, please. <laughs> You're in no condition to be talking about any of this shit. <laughs> what did you guys think of? Um... Mary Kay Place and um, Kevin Klein and Glenn Close because since we know Glenn Close had the affair, do you think that's why she was more likely to like to be like, yes, it's okay if you sleep with my husband? Oh yeah, I, yeah, for sure. I definitely got if, that vibe. 
because uh, like uh, when I first watched it, I was like, "Oh, she's just being like a like a really good friend." Like that's like a really good friend. <laughs> that's really nice. I don't know how I feel about like if I don't know how I feel about like loaning my husband out. <laughs> like a like a good used car. But yeah, yeah, I thought that was kind of a rude line. Actually, it um, was a very rude line. That was fucking like, rude. Like what? he's there to impregnate right you. Here. It was, He's there to impregnate you, and then you call him a used car. He is a used car. He's already made babies with somebody else, you know? She's getting the best deal on the used car, right? I don't know. I, I thought, like, they, Glenn Close seemed to be trying, like, throughout the movie to hook her up with somebody. Like, they, they have a couple conversations about, like, yeah, you want a baby? And it was good for, like, character development so you know, like, what's going on with the chick. But then also, like, to understand where Glenn Close is coming from. She's very clearly caring about her friend. And if nobody else will hook up with this chick, she's like, well, the best option was always my husband. But I just wasn't okay with it until now. Well, so... I mean, I mean it, it does kind of remind me, like, there. I mean, like, there are women who, like, will carry, like, sur- like be the surrogate mother for, like, their best friend or their sister. Like, you know, yeah. like, you know. These kinds of like that. I mean, it does kind of happen. I guess I'm just curious now that we're talking about her affair. Like, do you, how much do you think the affair had to do with her loaning out her husband? I th- I think she spent the entire weekend thinking about that. That that was an integral part of of her her internal struggle throughout the course of the three days or whatever that the movie's supposed to take place. Mm-hmm. So this was definitely a way to alleviate the guilt that she had mm-hmm. over the last you know several years in her own marriage, and then also to sort of help both her friend and her husband. I mean, it's only like a couple steps away from, well, you need a you need a baby daddy, but we're not going to do like the sperm bank thing, so might yeah. as well make my husband feel so good about something at the same time as helping my friend and win win win. Yeah, right? Like <laughs> the only thing she was missing was joining in on the action. I know, I was wondering if that was going to happen. Too. <laughs> <laughs> but what if Harold like fell in love with her though and like, you know, was it about know, love, it man? Could right? be messy. They all already love each other, dude. They already it wasn't established about love. that. They, they were they were making out and doing their, you know, making it sweet. It seems like she stayed the night too. Yeah, and she stayed the night. That's a little. That's a little much, right? What? But it would be rude was if you it? kicked her out, wouldn't it? I mean, she was staying the weekend. What are you? <laughs> what talking are the rules here? Like, like where no, else like would in she the bed. No, 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 like he's like, in he's the like, bed. <laughs> he's like, all right, now stand on your head for five minutes and then you can leave. <laughs> What? Eat some lemons. <laughs> face northwest. <laughs> Brian, you got to make sure it all goes in there. <laughs> Headstands? Like what? Yeah. We can't think of more practical ways to make gravity <laughs> work for no, us. No, she 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 can lay off the end of the bed with her feet up. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I like how you know all the different tricks, Jared. Hey, man. Yeah. <laughs> got to prepare. If he sees somebody doing that, he's yeah. like, no. <laughs> what do you do on your weekends? <laughs> I do like that shot though. When what, what is it? It's when Kevin Klein's on the phone with like his daughter or the kid or something, and he hands the phone over to uh, Mary Kay Place, and Glenn Close just looks at her talking oh, to her she, kid. She gets the idea. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's one of those. You know, that plus the affair that she had with Alex. I don't know. It's kind of like a two birds one stone. I think that's the strength of this movie. Is is all the. It's like every single interaction has multiple layers between every character in this film. Yes. And and for such an ensemble movie where there's what six or eight different people that are like all the main characters, like that's that's not easy to do in the first place and you feel all the layers between all of them all the time. And that's just one example of it. 
they feel like lived in characters. Yeah, yeah, they, they, for they, sure. They feel, they for feel sure. real. They, they feel like they feel like they've had a life. Yeah, they definitely all sold me on like they've known each other for like a decade plus at least. I agree with all of that except for fucking goddamn Kevin Klein's fucking horrendous accent. It's terrible and it changes a lot. <laughs> it does change. Where he's like sometimes southern and then he's sometimes not. When he came out with a southern accent, I was like, oh, this is going to be an interesting movie. Uh, but then, yeah, he loses it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it comes well, it back was, at certain times. It was there a couple times, and the first time I heard it, I was like, wait, is this movie supposed to be in the South? What? Are they in, like, New Orleans or something? Like, what's going on? Like, is this They're a like weird s- accent? South Carolina, and, North Carolina. And then, yeah, it's, well, the, the house itself is in South Carolina. Hmm. But I only know that because I read that. After the fact, oh, it was I think on the, they uh, license plate said that. Yeah, oh, I it? knew that it was South Carolina, mm-hmm. or I would have guessed that it was. I thought it was South Carolina. Yeah, I don't, they, they have, have, I don't think they actually they ever say it in the movie. No. Yeah, I didn't pick up on it being said in the movie. They say their other house is in Virginia, which I, I mean, no, is in Richmond, which I guess is Richmond, Virginia, but they never say what state. So. What about with the cops? They don't say it then either. No. Oh, that's weird. I assumed South Carolina. I don't know. Well, you assumed correctly then. Well, I then. would never. I mean. I had to have picked it up from somewhere. I really did. I don't know. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I don't know. I lived in South Carolina for like two years, and I, I didn't pick up on it. Yeah, I didn't live there, so I don't know. Good for you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I'm you, actually yeah. oh, I'm very happy about that. Oh, fuck, right? <laughs> Continue the trend, Kristen. <laughs> Worst fucking part of Interstate 95, South Carolina. Get your shit together. Clean your bathrooms, you fucking... <laughs> <laughs> They do have this. I always stopped. It's terrible. Don't ever go there. But I always stopped at south of the border when I was driving back yes. up from Florida. Yes. A hundred percent. I know exactly what you're talking about. What is that? Like a little Mexican place? <laughs> no. 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 It's, a it's a tourist trap. It's kind of like a little Mexican it's, it no, tries it's to be a Mexican it's, place. Sounds like a fucking Mexican place. <laughs> Isn't there like a sombrero tower? Yes, yes, yes. there is. <laughs> it's so weird. It's like what a, the fuck is this? It's like a tower with a sombrero on the yeah, top. Yeah, Google it. Google yeah. it. Like, I don't even know how to describe it. It's like a Is it like the Bucky's of fucking like? But they uh, have food house? there too. They have Mexican food. Yeah, they well, <laughs> well. I've driven past it once, yeah, and I was like, the fuck is happening? <laughs> Where are we right now? The billboards an attraction? Are great. Uh, yeah, an attraction. That, that's, that's, it's not really an attraction. <laughs> <laughs> There's concrete outside. It opened in 1950. It is in Roland, uh, just south really? of Roland, That actually North makes Carolina. sense. That's, that in makes har- sense. In Harmer, South Carolina. Looks pretty amazing, actually. Oh, it's, it's, it is it's not. Te- it's Tex-Mex. Giant air quotes on the Tex-Mex. They got chili cheese dogs. Oh, uh, Pedro's hot tamale. <laughs> oh well, if it's Pedro's, then it's authentic. Yeah. <laughs> I have to go there sometime. Oh, no, please don't. I mean, don't make a trip for it. But like, if you happen to be driving by and you see a hundred billboards for it. You'll know yep, you're getting yep, close. Yep. <laughs> SOBpedro.com. Oh, I think on that note, uh, we're going to play the trailer for Lawrence Kasdan's The Big Chill. Uh, we'll be back. South of the border. God damn. We were, sombrero, we were looking for the reason. That was it. The Sombrero Observation Tower is over 200 feet high. <laughs> the, the Sombrero <laughs> Observation Tower. That sounds so much classier than that fucking thing is. The Observation Tower. 
It goes a whopping 10 stories up into the sky. <laughs> it goes 200 feet high. This glass elevator gives riders a full view of south of borders, of the south of bor- the borders grounds as it glides to the top. Dude, is, is, is this how when people drive through Memphis, they're like, Bass Pro Shop, Pyramid Hill, <laughs> yeah. Hey, that's the world's largest. 100%. Large, that's the nation's largest freestanding elevator that you could take for $20 to the top. 100%. God damn it. Everything is accurate in all of these statements. It's about everything. Uh, uh, suicide, despair, uh, where did our hope go? Lost hope. That's it. Lost hope. Columbia Pictures invites you, you leave me. to return to the weekend that started it all. No! Remember the music and the moments. The ground is ready. I just need someone to plant the seed. Yeah, but who's going to be the lucky farmer? You want me to what? The friendship. Oh, my God! And the romance. Alex and I made love the night before he died. It was fantastic. <laughs> the laughter. <laughs> and the tears. I feel like I was at my best when I was with you people. Not me. Getting with you people is the best thing ever happened to me. I mean, how much sex, fun, friendship can one man take? <laughs> Fifteen years ago, the Big Chill helped launch the careers of some of today's biggest stars and became one of the most memorable films of the decade. You were hallucinating pretty bad that night. And we didn't even have any drugs. Now, on November 6th, The Big Chill is back on the big screen. Really? Really? On a digitally remastered print and in stereo for the first time. Tom Berenger, Glenn Close, Jeff Goldblum, William Hurt, Kevin Kline, Mary Kay Place, Meg Tilly and Joe Beth Williams. You know, you'd never get a crowd this big at my funeral. Oh, Karen, come on, I'll come and, uh, you know, I'll bring a date. In a cold world. Wise up, folks, we're all alone out there. You still need your friends to keep you warm. I don't know what people think about me. You don't have that problem here. You know I don't like you. <laughs> the Big Chill, a Lawrence Kasdan film. In theaters November 6th. All right, we're back. That was the trailer for Lawrence Kasdan's The Big Chill. The re-release trailer. (laughs) Obviously, Brian. (laughs) (laughs) May have caused some controversy here. I'm sorry. (laughs) 15 years later, it's back on the big screen. Really? What? I thought this was 1983. What's happening? I, I love trailers that real cut that like recut a question to answer the narrator voice. When they're like, this is happening. And then someone's like, oh, are you sure it's happening? It's 1998 and we're back. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I like the trailer with trailer guy voice. All right. That's the one I want to hear. In a world where Lawrence Gaston has continued making better movies. I don't know, man. This is, you don't think this is a good movie? It's a great no, movie. No, I think it's a classic movie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Agreed. I'm, I'm sad that it took me until 2022 to finally watch it. No, I think you hit it at the right time. Yeah, you needed to go through all of this just so you could appreciate the film. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Like, yeah, I'm glad I saw it. Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. Mm-hmm. No, I, I feel like I could have, I would have really appreciated it about five years ago um, as much or even more than I am right now. But I, I loved every second of it. Not to start my rating early, but, you know. Wow. That would be really early. That's very early. <laughs> Sorry, I came out a little, a little too soon. <laughs> Maybe not soon enough. <laughs> Jared's like wrap it up, wrap it up. Let's go. I got, you got places, places to, be. to be. 
Oh, well, since we're slightly off topic, uh, Jared, I do. I, I rewatched No Time to Die, and uh, James Bond did fix a crepe for his little daughter in that movie. So it wasn't just apples. It wasn't just apples. So you were correct, sir. It was. It was apple crepes. Thank you, sir. I have an eye for food. <laughs> Brad Pitt eats them. Jared watches it. I do want to say right. though, nobody was wearing masks in uh, Lost in Translation, but uh, you know. Oh, oh, you're gonna be like that about it, huh? <laughs> Did you watch Just Lost in Translation again? Uh, yeah, mostly. I may have fallen mostly. asleep in the last 20 minutes. Well, when you fell asleep in the last 20 yeah, minutes, there was a motherfucker wearing a mask. That was when it happened. <laughs> All it takes is one. It only takes one to spread, and it takes one to wear a mask. I should have just lied and not even fessed <laughs> up to that. <laughs> yeah. That movie does not hold up. This one, I, I Really? Think, oh, well. Damn. I mean, okay, so this movie, I, I sometimes have problems connecting to the characters in this movie because they're so fucking rich. Like, That's fair. Everybody yeah. seems like they're doing really well in their life, ex- with the exception of maybe William Hurt. William Hurt's the only one. He's seriously hard up on his luck because he's spending all his money on drugs. I don't think Meg Tilly is doing very well. And Alex clearly wasn't doing well either. I mean, they had sex the night before he died, so how bad? That's all they've got going for them, though. (laughs) He went out with a bang, not a whimper. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know that they're, like, rich so much as they are. Like, they've just been in their careers for, you know, 15 years. Yeah, and only a few of them had kids, so... Mm None of them have, have reached the life situations where any of the money that they have accumulated so far would be completely gone. I, like yeah. kids or divorce. I don't know. Kevin Klein, they're, they're rich. He's talking about owning like 50-some stores. He's he's going to get bought out by a major com- company. Okay, Good but clothes keep is in a mind doctor. that they're in South Carolina, so that's... They have know. three houses, like, okay. dear God. <laughs> but they're in, again... South Carolina in the 80s. So they like, have one that's like a giant plantation. And then the other one that's but like. But that probably cost them home. like a hundred grand. Like, come on. That's what I'm saying, I don't though. Know, man. That, that plantation home is pretty badass with that giant willow tree and all that. It's pretty, yeah, pretty it's, excellent. I didn't say it wasn't good. I said it probably cost them a hundred grand. <laughs> it's gorgeous. <laughs> I bet it's cheap as fuck, though. And they have a boat dock with a bunch of boats and the properties on a lake or the fucking ocean. That's so hard to get. My dad has one of those. His house didn't cost that much money. I promise you don't want to live there. Look. I'm saying I would want to live here, though, is what I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) And apparently they had a guest house that may maybe in the basement or maybe it wasn't attached. I don't know. I was a little confused in the geography there. Oh, I thought it was like a basement situation. (laughs) Yeah, I was, too. But I don't know. Yeah, it was confusing. Or like the attic because like they were in the attic for a little while with the bat. I, I don't know. Singing the Indiana Jones theme. You think that was a real bat? What? No, Jared, that was a tennis racket. No, motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) I'm talking about when they the first bat you see flying. (laughs) (laughs) Flying through the room. You don't think is that a real bat or is that like uh, what was that other movie we watched with a bat on a string? They're fighting. (laughs) Uh, That was Batman. Oh, that's right. No, yeah. What was that? I don't know, but we saw something with yeah. people attacking bats, with, and they, they were flinging around. Uh, or was that was birds? it one of the John John Carpenter movies? Or know. it was probably birds. That's probably what you're thinking. That was a <laughs> year ago. Like, ah, 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 ah. <laughs> it's from Batman Forever. Um. <laughs> Batman Returns. I, Batman I Returns. I understood, that's I understood that reference. That's a bird, not a bat. 
I don't know if it's a real bird or a real bat. <laughs> the ones, the ones flying into the window. That shot looks like it could. Those could have been real bats, but I don't know about the the, the ones with the actors in the room. Although there's only I think what one or two shots where you see an actor yeah. in a bat, and they play it in these in these like mediums, you know, a little bit like cowboys. It's kind of nice. They don't like do a lot of cutting. They just let things kind of play out a lot. Well, I have to imagine that was because of how much improv there was happening in all of this. Or is that just my own projected impression? No, I mean, there, there was for sure. But I mean, like, I think they improv and then, like, found, found the scene and then shot it. I mean, like, even when they're, like, uh, getting high on the couch, I, I, I love that shot where it's just it's just a little dolly shot. It's just trucking nice back and, and forth. Subtle, slow, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One person's close up, then it goes to a two shot close up. And so, I mean, they're doing certain things like that that, I don't know, they, w- they would have to be somewhat rehearsed. I mean, I heard that they did a lot of, like, a lot of rehearsal before they started rolling. Um, and then, like, Lawrence Kasdan was doing things like timing the scenes to make sure that he didn't have to, to cut stuff down for the sake of, of time. So, like, keeping keeping the pacing up in their actual delivery of it, which I think is, it, for an ensemble thing like this, like, that's an interesting approach to do it. And it seemed to work. Like, no, none of the scenes felt uh, slow to me. Like, I didn't, I didn't get bored at all. Everything felt like it really moved. And there wasn't a lot of cutting, so that had to have been like a, a rehearsal directive kind of thing. Well, for some reason, the studio, like, they would pay for all this rehearsal time, but they didn't want to pay for the, the shoot days. Because then they'd have to pay for the crew, too, which I, I don't understand this. They But they still shot for 53 days. Holy cow. For a, Yeah, for really? a drama. But they, they shot it in order, and Lawrence Kasdan made all the actors. Did they really? Interesting. Okay. All the actors were available on set. Hmm. Nobody was leaving, and you know, nobody That's had a day off. Be. <laughs> yeah, but it's definitely not that way. <laughs> no, no, it's definitely not. I mean, for for such a, a relatively self enclosed movie like this, like there's only one major location besides the church. I mean, there's a couple small things for like some of the montage situations, but for all of them together, it's really like eighty percent of the movie is just in that house. I love the way that church looks. That feels so fucking authentic, man. Like, it doesn't look like a movie church. There's no stained glass windows. There's no, like, tapestries fucking hanging on the walls. It's just white fucking walls and bare-ass windows. It's like, that's how a church fucking looks in the Midwest and the fucking South. Yeah. Yeah, crotchety old man up there fucking preaching at you. Yeah, <laughs> well, there there was one stained glass. Like I, I did, I did notice one shot where like they're looking up at towards the altar, and there was like just a light perfectly shining through the stained glass at the top, like near yeah. the steeple area. And I was like, is that the sun? Is that a giant HMI that they have just punching through so they can get it working on that one spot? But yeah, no, it was it was very minimalistic, which is very very authentic to most of that kind of style churches for sure. A lot of the locations had that very minimalist look with just like kind of a lot of bare walls, single color. Yeah. Did you notice that? Yeah. Very simple, understated. Classic. Is that classic? Yeah. Yeah. Like even all their couches were solid colors. They didn't have patterns. Hmm. Hmm. Was that a normal thing for early 80s? Uh, man, I don't know. You know, I, you, at this time, like I always think of those like 70s couches that... Always have those crazy, like, striped patterns or, you know, they'll have some kind of, like, what is that, a floral pattern on them? Yeah. Yeah. Those were real popular then. Um, but they were they were in Kevin Klein's home, and he did have, you know, money. He, I think out of... Money and taste. Yeah. Yeah. And so it would make sense that it would all be very simple and classic. That's kind of... Um, 
That's Rick- a good point. Yeah. They don't really follow the trends. I don't remember the costumes. How are the costumes? They, they seem... It seems just all I remember is right? Kevin Klein's shorty shorts. Yeah, that's all jogging. I really yeah. noticed, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the man loves to show his legs off. He was like, you like these legs? Let me show you some more of them. Especially yeah. after impregnating his friend. He's like, yeah, I'm going to go for a run. <laughs> I feel great. Uh, uh, he wore those shorts so in, like, what, three different <laughs> scenes? Like, oh, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. 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 It was a recurring the, theme for like, sure. Right at fucking <laughs> mid-level frame dick height. Like, he walks in, and he's just got his dick, like, right in the middle of the frame. You're yeah, just like, does. all right, Kevin. Just in case you weren't <laughs> sure what was going on, now you know. Yeah, we see what you're working with there, Kev. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, even during the, the kitchen cleanup scene, they randomly cut to uh, Glenn Close's ass. Yeah, they do. Twice. You've already seen her tits by that point, so. Yeah. I, but I mean, but why is why is that in there? It's not like a character was looking at it. It's just so bizarre. Because right, you shake right. your hips when you're dancing. That's her why hip, her hips don't lie. What that, you tell me? You tell me that song doesn't make you want to like shake your booty? I'm but yeah. What what? Why are we cutting? She's not shaking her. She was just like moving. No, she, she no. She was. No, I she think was, it's important was, to see her dancing more than anyone else because she was the one who was the most upset. So to show that she's yeah. like you know yeah, working through we're not it. Showing she's kind her of dancing. Processing. We're showing her ass, man. No, she was. <laughs> what do you dancing? think is dancing? It's her ass is dancing. Come on. Oh, it's just she's her not ass. Full body dancing. She's got yeah, her yeah, ass dancing. Showing a Memphis twerk. She's got the jiggle butt. Wasn't she nominated for this one? Uh, no, I don't think anybody was it. Was I think there was? Am I wrong? No, there was. It was like nominated for um, screenplay or something like that, and then lost. It might have also been nominated for best picture or best director or something like that. It was. It was two categories right. and lost to both. Yeah, uh, yeah. It was. It was nominated for best picture, uh, best writing, and then uh, best supporting actress, Glenn, Glenn Close. Oh, yeah. There you go. Her second movie. I know she's never won. I know was she's been nominated really? a bunch. Was her performance that strong in this? Like, I, th- I thought she was just... I mean, she was sad in a few moments, and... Yeah. Yeah. I like the scene where she's out on the porch, and she's talking to... Um, it starts in that, like, like, uh, like kind of a medium, medium close, and it, like, pulls out, and she's talking to Joe Beth Williams, and, and then she's telling about her relationships and all that. I, I, that that's a really nice scene. And then... She has that breakdown at the table when everybody's like um, partying and all that, and she's like, you know, that's that's the part that's in the trailer. She's like, you know, I, yeah. I, I haven't felt myself since I've been with you people. She's got some nice moments, and of course, you know, she's got the breakdown in the shower. I mean, maybe there. I thought it was. I thought she had a really great performance. I don't know that it was necessarily Oscar worthy, but also maybe it, it was just like a not a good year for women in films, and so they were like, let's take it. <laughs> I don't know about that. Uh, that's, that's I mean, she didn't win, um, but anyway, I, I think her, her performance is great. It's those little subtle moments that I always like with her, like when um, her friend that wants to get pregnant when she's talking to her in the kitchen, and she's like, "Oh yeah, you know, Kevin Klein's just so great. He's just the perfect man. You know, you just got one in a million. And she just looks up from her cooking and just does this little kind of stare off into the distance. It, she just seems so sad right there. But then she just yeah. goes right back mm-hmm. into it. And those little moments like that, I think are great. Now, her, like, crying in the shower, I mean, I guess that's good. I, that's just a moment, like, I feel like you expect an actor to to be able to do that. It, you know, if you can't do the big bombastic ranges, like, what good are you? It's true. The subtlety <laughs> makes all the difference. Hit your that's, mark and yeah, cry. That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> 
If you can't cry in the shower, like, why are you trying to act in the first place? Yeah, you should be able to do that. I'm still working at the, I don't know, Outback. (laughs) (laughs) I can't eat any more Blooming Onion. (laughs) Has anyone ever finished a Blooming Onion? It's not possible, right? Every time you order one, you eat like a third of it, and you're like, I'm done with that. I don't know. I've never actually sat down to try to eat the whole thing by myself. I'm just saying, if you order something, you should be able to eat the whole thing. (laughs) (laughs) Never order one again, people. Like by yourself? Or it's like an appetizer. Are you sure of the table? No, no table's ever finished a Bloomin' Onion. You don't order two of those. (laughs) Just saying. (laughs) (laughs) Never finished a Bloomin' Wow. Hard stance. Somewhere someone's like, I've done it! <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I like when, uh, <laughs> speaking, of, speaking of a lot of food, uh, I like when they're, when they're at, the, at the wake and uh, Jeff Goldblum goes, you know, it's an amazing tradition. They throw this great party for you and you can't even come. That's a good line. It's yeah, classic. It's, it's a great line. That looked like a good party too, man. They had a hell, had a hell of a spread. Everybody was there. He had, he had a lot of friends. Or people were just down to party in that town. I don't know, like they hadn't been in that town for very long. It was just a few months or whatever, right? No, I think it was longer than that because he got really upset and was like, we want to, like, we're staying here. Like with the cop, Kevin Klein was like, no, we're here. Oh, you mean you mean Alex was only there for a few months? Yeah, yeah. So like how many people from the town would Alex know at the funeral as opposed to like people coming in from out of town? But I think It seemed when- like most of the out of towner was, was the, the eight friends or whatever it was. But I think when you when someone dies, like people make a big show of it. They want to seem like they cared more than they did when yeah. like the person was alive. And so, sure, sure. like everyone makes. I wouldn't food. know. I've never died. Well, right, but like, you know, um, I imagine like a lot of people that you don't like will show up and be like, "Oh my god, he was my best friend." Oh my god! Oh my god! He left me money in his will. <laughs> <laughs> Like everybody talks about how um, Alex uh, regretted not taking this fellowship or whatever. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jeff Goldblum you know, wrote that article about it. Yeah, at the end. Right, and at the very end, they talk about how he uh, he also got his in, in, indictment letter or what is it called? I had to look that up. That basically that that's it means he got drafted. It's not an it, indictment, it, or it's not that. Yeah. It, it's it's, oh, it's, some, uh, it's some other. In, uh... He said he he also kept his something letter which I, I had to go look that up and and, and it's um it's interesting that, that that's so understated that that's just kind of a throwaway thing like you know he he, he was drafted but but if he would have taken that you know that um fellowship then he wouldn't have been drafted his entire life would have been completely different he wouldn't have he wouldn't have gone to vietnam even oh, though wow. they never really talk about that in the movie it's something that like it's completely understated and just there and it adds a whole other layer to Alex's story, and it's just a, a throwaway line, which is kind of weird. I wonder if that's more indicative of just like the time period in the culture of knowing like this is what happened for going to Vietnam, and this is what like it's it, it's throwaway because it was just automatically understood from just the subtle implication, and we just lost some of that in the last like forty years. Yeah, like maybe we the the previous audience would have known like if he didn't turn if he didn't do take the fellowship if he didn't go to school like you have to go to war like because that was the right. thing like I right. never would have thought about it until just now but that was the thing you either went yeah. to school or war 
Exactly. I, I don't. I don't think that's a, a moment that we're building Alex's character. That's a moment where we're building William Hurt's character because William Hurt's the character that constantly talks about, "Hey, did, are you the one? Did I ever tell you about what happened to me in Vietnam?" Right? Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. It, my dick yeah. don't work no more. Yeah. Okay, but I'm saying that, that he's the one that he, he's the one that brings that up. He says like, "Oh yeah, this wasn't also framed." I don't think we're trying to develop like a- Alex's story because like the whole thing with Alex is like. Everyone's trying to come to terms with like why this happened, and the answer that we get at the end of the movie is nobody knows why. That's life. I was just saying that adds another layer to Alex's story. It's not just some guy who was a, a, a fuck up or whatever. He, you know, he he made he made a decision that, that changed the course of his life, and you know, he, he could have maybe maybe he wouldn't have been a fuck up if he had well, taken the that's... fellowship and not gone to war. And... But that's the crux of this whole movie: is all the. That's all these characters are are assessing their own lives and their own decisions from the context of, of this is what Alex has, has culminated from his life. And, and that's, I think, the point of why they're all asking the question of why did he do it? What, did he leave a letter? Did he explain it? Like maybe in their, you know, in their attempt to try and understand why Alex would do such a thing from this person that they knew and loved, you know, however long ago it was maybe they can find some semblance of understanding for their own lives of where they're at and how they've made the decisions for where they've gone and their life choices and where their lives are at. Like Jeff Goldblum's career is like sort of ending and he's floundering and he's trying to figure out what the fuck he's going to do. He wants to open this thing, but he can't get a, you know, can't get the money and William Hurt's dick won't work and other people want babies. And like, they're all trying to figure themselves out. Like they've reached this point of, I'm an adult and this is my life and none of them are really particularly happy about their lives. That's all like beautifully said. And to kind of add on to that, now that Alex has died, now they can actually stop and look at how unhappy they are. Like mm-hmm, how, mm-hmm, why, yeah. yeah. Like why did he make this decision? Is this the what the road that I'm going down to? Cause oh, I totally now I have, you know, like every time something major like this happens, everyone kind of stops and is allowed almost to make a different choice. And so, yes, now we can see all of these characters making a different choice, which I think is yeah. really beautiful too. Or at least, you know, grappling with the choices that they are making and are they going to make different choices? Well, I think right. Jeff, Go- Jeff Goldblum's character gets the spark of the idea that maybe he doesn't want to open this club or whatever. He, he wants to write his novel that's going to ultimately yeah. end up being the big chill. It's the loss um, of hope. You know, he's going to write the story that we just watched, basically. Yeah, and he never would have gotten that if Alex hadn't died and if he hadn't come there that weekend, you know? Exactly. Right, right. But it's also like we were talking earlier about um, um, Tom Berenger's character and his interaction with um, the other chick, Mary Mary Jo, Mary Beth, whatever her name is. Joe Beth. Joe Beth, there it is. There. Karen, uh, as it were. Karen, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> what a Karen. Yeah, I didn't remember any of their names. Uh, but like just that they're all grappling with with this is what I'm doing with my life and am I okay with it and and this death of this old friend is just an excuse a reason an, an incitement to study their own lives I can understand why 17 year olds would not necessarily love this movie well no because they just no they they have you have to like live you have to experience. I mean, I don't know. Do you? I mean, maybe you have to experience death to get to this, but like life mm. and falling in love and falling out of love and getting your heart broken. And yeah, I actually think like experiencing someone very close to you dying is also kind of needed for all of this to make sense. Well, he just reminded them of, of you know, you know, basically back in the day when they were all buds, things seemed perfect, you know, and then now everything's changed and 
Yeah, they, they let they see their mortality, and it causes you to kind of double check things. Well, yeah, but like even when I was younger, I mean, to, because you kind of have to have that perspective. Like like when you're younger and bad things happen, you're just kind of like, well, that sucks. I'm going to keep going though. And but yeah, I think when you get older and you've had so many bad things happen and and good things too. But like it's uh, you get to a certain point and you're like wow i really need to like look at myself and look at my life and that's what all like, i don't know that i don't think teenagers do that <laughs> i don't think teenagers <laughs> and that's that's why i just say like you need a little bit more life experience <laughs> you need all of all the good and all of the bad uh to get to this point and uh, yeah i i i don't know i don't i mean i i don't know like if you're unfortunate enough to have gone through all of those things in your teenage years i still don't know that you have enough like experience necessarily to get the film but maybe i'm wrong i don't know yeah i I think it definitely helps to have gone out in the world and yeah been, been a little bit of disappointed and have some failures Mm-hmm. It's, it's and have successes and have successes and be like but is this even what i want though i right, think that's right. also key but, but, yeah, but i don't know yeah no, nobody over nobody thinks about their successes and and mulls over that though and you know when, when <sighs> tom Berenger spends the whole movie doing that yeah He's no like, i've oh, done that no, I've, that's I've... not his success like he thinks it's a shitty show too like but that's the thing is everyone thinks he's a success and he is like, is this the greatest thing that I'm going to be known for? No, no, no. I think yeah. you have oh, no, to no, have no. some okay, level so of you're, success You're talking about too. monetary success, not like this is what I – this is who – these people are not struggling with money. That's what. That's why they're all right. rich. They're struggling with who am I? Yeah. What do I want? What do I want to be? What is happiness? You know, that's yeah. that's what they want. Yeah, like he wanted to be an actor. And so now he's got a hit TV show and he's still not happy. This isn't what he wanted. Everyone thinks he's a success, but it's a stupid TV show. And can he do anything else? Like, I get it. It's He's still having an identity crisis, even though he's still on a successful TV show. Are we at ratings? <laughs> I mean, we could wax poetic about the meaning of life and our own struggles with success or the lack thereof for a little bit longer. But I think rating would be a little bit more fun. I do have one thing. Anybody else notice the alligator pin that Jeff Goldblum was wearing? Alligator pin? He has an he has a pin on his shirt on one of the scenes, uh, his jacket on the left side, and it's an alligator with a with like the you know the line through it like no alligators. No. I tried to research it and I couldn't find anything about it. But yeah, it's just weird. He's just wearing a pin that, that, that you know, like the the Ghostbusters, you know, the the red circle mm. with the line through it. It's the same thing, but an alligator in it. You can probably just cut this part, Brian. Uh, no, I didn't. Say, I'm just kidding. Yeah, you probably could. But yeah. <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't actually notice it. It's certainly not well enough. I, I was watching it on a DVD in you know SD resolution. So oh, Criterion's got a very nice Blu-ray out. They do. It's very very yeah. grainy, yeah. but it's good. I mean, it was it was That's a good quality DVD. How, how the film and it had a whole extra disc that came That's with it. I just looks. didn't have time to watch it. I, who was it? There was somebody on one of the extra features though that was talking about they would go for runs in the morning. Oh, that was Kevin Klein in his shorts. The, the actual actors before <laughs> they would get up and, and you know start rehearsing and crap, uh, and there was actual couple of alligators that came out. Oh, totally. Um, Maybe that's why. Yeah, because because I, I know the scene where, where they're talking about snakes. Or was, I can't remember. I don't, who I don't that know, was. but no, no. But, uh, I know they they're, they talked about uh, when they were walking around and it starts raining and he's like, uh, "You're not afraid of snakes, are you?" That was something that was ad libbed because <laughs> they were told that there was rattlesnakes out there. Oh yeah, and they were like, "Oh, that's why he had that uh, yeah, the, cane, the stick." Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so m- maybe the alligator uh, pen was a uh, was another inside joke. It was like a local South Carolina thing. He just yeah. added it to the costume. Beware the alligators. 
I would have said, Lawrence Kasdan, get my stunt double for this shot. Not walking out <laughs> in snake, rattlesnake infested fields. We don't have the budget. What was Sue the budget from on behind. This? Oh, yeah, we didn't talk about that. Uh, budget was only $8 million. Holy shit, really? Yeah. It felt low budget. So they all got paid, what, like 80 grand each or something stupid like That's that? That's not super low budget, but um, at that time. I don't have their salaries. Uh, it, it made $56.4 million, which in today's dollars would be around $148 million. That's pretty solid for a for a adult dramatic for sort a of situation. Yeah. Oh, well, that, that wouldn't even happen today. I mean, like, I can't even think of an adult drama that's made over $100 million. No. Yeah. That's a good point. The Lake House. <laughs> that didn't make over $100 no, it's million. It's a day. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Ridley Scott was just railing against all the young people who just want to watch cartoons and Marvel movies instead of going to see his movies. So, I can't even think of the last big like dramatic. The Lake House made one hundred and fourteen worldwide. Fuck you, Brian. <laughs> How much they're making in the United States? This is just U.S. gross, Jared. Just U.S. <laughs> How, much- How much Lake House make domestically? Sixty what? Guarantee it's around the sixties or seventies. Can't be any higher. Okay. Um, domestic box office fifty two point three. Oh shit! <sighs> what are you gonna do? That's what I'm saying. This is kind of <laughs> Doesn't work for Keanu and Sandra. Who could it work for? They used up all their goodwill on speed. <laughs> this, this is true. So who's writing first? I'll start it. Um, man, I fucking love this movie. Like it was. I've I've said it several times, and I'll say it again. It was a sublime subtle experience that that required paying attention to but didn't ever lose my attention um i didn't feel bored for a second in this movie uh it i felt it moving along in a really good clip i thought it explored all the characters and their motivations and their interpersonal relationships really well man so much subtlety so much lived in characters it felt like all of these people have been friends for at least a decade if not longer um, which I feel like is a pretty good accomplishment considering they met each other like six weeks before they started actually, you know, putting any of this stuff on celluloid. So some pretty good camera work, like nothing ever felt out of place or showy. Maybe some of the music was like a little heavy handed, but I felt like it all worked really well. The script was really tight. Some of the things that felt more improvisational, um, again, just lent itself towards these people feeling like they knew each other for a really long time and they all cared about each other in really interesting ways. Man, there was four or five moments throughout this film where I was like, almost had to pause and just sit with like some of the stinger lines where it was like, oh, that's heavy. Like, that is so true. That's so real. Like, I feel that I just resonated with this movie. Like, it was it was a perfect time for me to watch it. Um, I really enjoyed it. Really loved it. I'm going to call it a 10. Yeah. Gave it a 10. I praise. All right. Who's next? I'll go. Uh, I really enjoyed this movie also. I loved all of the different friendship dynamics I thought it was amazing to see how they've all been through so much and they've all learned to or I guess made the choice to continue caring for each other and to forgive each other and I feel like a lot of that is lacking it feels like this has so much uh, maturity that I just feel is very lacking in anything modern and uh on top of that it's also pretty wholesome like there's a lot of like sort of questionable things and they're going through a lot but at the same time yeah it it just feels very wholesome and feel good and i really enjoyed that as, as well um 
on a personal note, I, I, I do love Kevin Klein, but I also really enjoy Mary Kay Place. She's one of my favorite actresses. So I enjoyed seeing her as a young Meg in this one. Um, that was actually a really big treat for me to see her on the screen. And um, Kevin Klein's shorts get a special mention. Also, <laughs> I enjoyed watching. Way them. to go, shorts! <laughs> that was great, great costuming there. Um, yeah, I just I enjoyed this a lot, and um, it was it was it was just refreshing to see in a different kind of way. Like I said, Dave was refreshing last week, but it's a different kind of refreshing. This was. Um, it was just very nice. I enjoyed it a lot. I'm going to give it a 10 also. All right. Another 10. Jared, you're going to go next. You're going to go last. No, man, I can't go last. That's your spot. Um, <laughs> no, nah, man, I spots. had never. Yeah, we have spots now. Uh, <laughs> I dance around, though. Um, <laughs> um, I'd never seen this movie before, and it was really uh, excited to see it because it has an amazing cast. And uh, we've been watching some Lawrence Kasdan films, and I'm learning to love Lawrence Kasdan. Even though, apparently, I've been loving Lawrence Kasdan my entire life without actually knowing it. Damn fucking straight. Yeah, so, um, but anyways, the, um, I, I think I think it hit this movie at the right age. Uh, like, like Greg said, maybe it would have been nice to see it a little before, but I don't know. I think it, it, it kind of puts things in perspective. It's very sobering, and... Uh, and I, it's it's thought provoking, but but the movie's written so well, and all the actors are just like you know, they're really enjoying being in these situations and, and and playing these characters, and you can definitely see that. And it's also really neat to see all these actors that we've kind of grown up with and see them young, which is kind of cool. Um, the camera and the lighting, it's not exceptional, but like it it totally works. And then there's some interesting shots they do every now and then. Uh, the needle drops throughout the film. I think they really make the film. From everything that I was reading, it said that the, basically the soundtrack for this film is was one of the most sell, sold soundtracks of all time. Like people, everybody yep. had a copy of this soundtrack. They made two soundtracks. Uh, really? What was the second soundtrack? I mean, there were so many songs that couldn't fit yeah. it on one disc. Yeah, yeah. it was like uh, really? more music from the Big Chill. So it's kind of <laughs> like it's kind of like the Garden State soundtrack for me, um, <laughs> <laughs> or any Edgar Wright movie. Yeah, 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 no doubt. Uh, but anyways, yeah, I, I I had never seen this movie before, and then after seeing it over the last couple of days, it has definitely risen to the tops for me. It is also a 10, and I'm looking forward to diving into some more Kasdan. Oh, man, I love hearing you say that. Mm. have to do the accidental tourist at some point. Point. Yeah, you keep saying that. I, I want to watch it. Oh, man, it's so good, dude. <laughs> bo- body body Heat's next for me, though. Oh, that was... Oh. Again, William Hurt. I know. I love William Hurt, man. Uh, Lawrence Kasdan, like, just oh, just made, made, made me fall in love with fucking some William Hurt, bro. God, love that guy. He's so underappreciated. I, I, well, I guess he was in his day. He was nominated for, like, three Oscars back-to-back, so he was appreciated. Um, yeah, I, I'm going to give this movie a 10. I think the opening montage, this is one of the best examples of how to fucking open a movie. I just absolutely love it. I think it's intriguing. It's exciting. Launches you right in the way into the story, and the story is not—you know—it's not—it's not very complicated. I, I guess the story is complicated. The plot's not very complicated. I, I guess the only thing I've seen people say negative here recently about this movie is—it's a movie for boomers, and I, man, I'm just gonna have to take a hard disagree on that on that take from mm. some of the some of the critics for the last. Uh, I would, say 20 years 22 years here now 
I think this movie is more accessible than just to like, oh, this is for boomers. I think this movie is for every generation and having to actually pay bills and, and, and make your way in the world. And I, th I think this movie communicates all those ideas to the audience and, and just does it so beautifully. Solid 10. And Jared, what's our Rotten Tomatoes there, buddy? So the Rotten Tomatoes brings it in at a 77% audience score with a 69% tomato meter. Hmm. Wait, hold up. You read the audience score first. That's higher? Yeah. It's higher. Interesting. I wonder if those are all the recent reviews. I mean, yeah, dude, I was reading It some... says 10,000 plus ratings with the tomato meter on 39 ratings. So, 39. Wow, that seems pretty low. It does. I don't know. This seems like a good time to to bring up Roger Ebert's review. He gave it two and a half stars, um, which is not an amazing review, but it's also not a terrible review, but it for me it was the last like two paragraphs of his review that that kind of hit he says the big chill is a splendid technical exercise it has all the right moves it knows all the right words its characters have all the right clothes expressions fears lusts and ambitions but there's no payoff and it doesn't lead anywhere then he goes on to say i thought at first that was a weakness of the movie there is also the possibility that it's the movie's message and the more that i've sat with that the more that i feel like it's a pretty accurate assessment of the movie that the movie it doesn't actually go anywhere that's kind of what i personally loved about it because they spend the entire movie like we've said for the last hour trying to figure out where they're at in life and sometimes that those questions don't lead anywhere and so to me it makes sense that some of the critics would be like eh, oh, what'd you do yeah <laughs> you know? I, kind of on that note this is called like a slice of life film it mm. doesn't have a plot it's just like a moment in time and I personally think that those can be very well done. Like this is very well done. But I know a lot this of people extremely well who yeah. uh, I'm thinking very specifically of my mother who hates any movie that doesn't have a plot. And um, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. If, if it's she, yeah, if it doesn't have a plot. So maybe that's why it has a low, a lower score. Um, if, if you can't just kind of sit and enjoy a moment, then I don't know if you would enjoy this film. Yeah. Well said. Well, with that, You've been listening to the Movie Crew Podcast. You want to get in touch with us, you can do so by sending us an email to themoviecrew at gmail.com. That's the Movie Crew, crew spelled C-R-E-W-E. That's right, extra E at the end of the word crew. At gmail.com, you guys can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at Movie Crew Pod. Be sure to give us a rating and a review. We'd surely appreciate that. Jared, where can the audience find you? You can find me on Instagram at CheckTheGate and on Twitter at Jared B. Kellen. And Griggs. Where can they find you? I'm on Instagram and Twitter at Griggsy Media. That's G-R-I-G-G-S-Y Media. And Kristen, where can they find you? Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Kristen Magdalene. That's Kristen with a K and an I. And you guys can find me on Twitter at Elkins Edits. And we're going to be closing out the show tonight with... Ah, I, I Hold on, I haven't picked anything. I don't know. Jeremiah was a bullfrog. <laughs> <laughs> was a good friend of mine. I, I no, you know, I I, I I love that opening montage so much. I, let's play track one. I heard it through the grapevine, performed by Marvin Gaye. Good choice, Brian.
you need. 